Good morning, church. <clears throat> Join me as we read our verse for today from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word of the Lord for the people of God. You got it. That's great, Gary. Thank you for that. Well, good morning. I hope that y'all are doing well. My name is Marco. I serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. Uh, I'm really, really excited about today, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But again, in the event that you didn't hear Gary, we're going to find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. While you open or load your Bible, just a couple of things for you. The first is that if you are new, we'd love to hang out with you if you give us the opportunity to do so. On the chairs and in the Connect desk in the back, there are these cards, these Connect cards. Fill one out, uh, and one of us will get back to you uh, where we'd like to take you out for dinner or coffee or lunch. And if that's not your thing, you're like, that's a little too soon for me. Then if you would allow us the opportunity to pray for you, you can leave that on there as well. Additionally, we do have Bibles available for you. That is our gift to you. So take one with you because we love preaching from God's word. We love God's word. We want to get God's word into your hands. And if you know someone who could use a Bible, hook them up. That would be your gift to them. Nevertheless, this morning we're going to start a new series, a new seven-week series on stewardship. Um, in, in short, a steward is, is someone who has been entrusted with resources or, or people that ultimately and invariably do not belong to them. God calls each one of us to be a steward of a variety of things, our time, our money, health, our work. However, in order to be a good steward, we need to have wisdom. We need to be able to apply wisdom to stewardship. Wisdom is ultimately what helps us be good stewards. And so today and next week, we're going to look at two big ideas before we get into some practical application. And the two big ideas that we're going to examine is wisdom or cultivating wisdom, which is what we're talking about today. And we're going to look at a biblical view of stewardship next week. These two big ideas are ultimately going to help um, our time and say it this way, they're going to help expand our argument for this series. So today we're opening up in Proverbs, as I mentioned earlier, because if you're unfamiliar with Proverbs, it is considered to be what is known as wisdom literature, right? Uh, wisdom literature in the Bible. Psalms would be an example of this. Lamentations would be another example of that. Nevertheless, here is the big idea of Proverbs. If you've ever wondered like, man, what is it that Proverbs is about? What is it that Proverbs drives? And it is really one giant point, and it is get wisdom. If you're going to get anything from this, get wisdom. And we're going to look at a verse in a minute that, that uh, um, better articulates that. Wisdom is something that we're all surrounded by. 
And if you really think about it, you know more Proverbs than you think. They may not be in the Bible, but you know more Proverbs than you think. So I thought I'd, I'd walk through a few with you. For instance, maybe you have heard this one. Never trust a skinny chef. Right? Maybe no pain, no gain. Right? You got to work hard to get results. It's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. I see someone's, someone practices that one. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Never mind. Ignore me. How about this one? Uh, fish and visitors stink after three days. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I found this one this week. I wanted to think of those that I can remember on my own, but here's one that I've been just trying to remember. I shared it with my family and staff earlier this week. Life isn't like a box of chocolates. It's more like a jar of jalapenos. What you do today might burn your behind tomorrow. <laughs> Wisdom helps us live a happy life. And it's okay to say that. Some of you are kind of dour when it comes to the scriptures, right? Wisdom helps us to live a happy, a happy life. It helps us lead a useful life, a godly life, a discerning life. The book of Proverbs, of which we'll be in and out of throughout this series, is a book that helps us to understand wisdom so that we can navigate through the complexities of life. But in order to navigate through these complexities, in order to be good stewards, we must first get wisdom. And cultivating wisdom, here's the main idea of our time, and this is ultimately the main idea of our series. Cultivating wisdom begins with a humble heart. Cultivating wisdom begins with a humble heart in order to rightly apply God's word in everyday life. So let me pray, and then we'll get into our text this morning. Father God, we begin by thanking you for giving us today. A day that is filled with new mercies a day that we have to look back at your goodness for us in Jesus. Lord, your word says that if we do not have wisdom, that we are to ask for it, but to ask in faith. And so this morning, we ask for wisdom. We ask that you would humble us in our desire to cultivate wisdom for your glory and our good. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at Proverbs, right, this first section of Proverbs, uh, we're going to look at and answer three questions. So if you're taking notes, you'll see these questions up on the screen, but we're going to look at three questions this morning. We're going to look at what is wisdom, why do we need wisdom, and then finally, how do we get wisdom? What is wisdom, why do we need it, how do we get it? So let's begin with the first one. What is wisdom? I once heard an older man tell me that wisdom is knowing what to do with knowledge. And that was a very insightful response to my inquiry about wisdom because it told me or it showed me that one can have knowledge but lack wisdom. In addition to that, 
when it comes to wisdom, you must have knowledge. You can't have wisdom without knowledge. You can know a lot of things about many different things, but that does not mean, it does not imply that you have wisdom. And so it begs the question, what is wisdom? A friend of mine named Bob Thune said this, wisdom is spiritual depth perception. Wisdom is spiritual depth perception. That is, wisdom is the ability to understand what the consequences of my actions and and decisions are going to be. Let me repeat that one more time. Wisdom is the ability to understand what the consequences of my actions and decisions are going to be. And so let's look at a couple of brief examples on cultivating wisdom. One of them could be the question of using, for instance, a credit card on a given purchase, right? Maybe an expensive purchase, or should you save your money and then make that purchase later on when you save that money. Now, before you start nodding, like, yeah, you should save it. Hold up. Right? Hold up. Hold up. I'm going to give you a couple of them. Wisdom would help answer the question on, or help answer the, the scenario on doing your research when you go get uh, tattoos, if you decide to go get tattoos doing some research on tattoos, and also taking into consideration what are they going to look like when your skin is no longer as tight as it is. Right? Now, some of you might be like, well, chill, man. If the answer for you is to go get a tattoo, go get a tattoo. I'm not going to argue. Another one could be wisdom in the context of what you post online, whether it would be something political something social, something new age. See, when it comes to wisdom, wisdom helps us to discern, helps us to make a distinction between what is sinful, what is folly or foolish, and what is good and godly. Wisdom isn't pop psychology. Wisdom isn't simply experience. And wisdom isn't simply knowledge. Wisdom is spiritual depth perception. So in the examples of a credit card or tattoos or what you're going to post online, you need to consider wisdom. Wisdom is going to help you answer the question, maybe I should make this purchase. Maybe I shouldn't get that tattoo. Maybe I shouldn't make this post or or post this, whatever, this posting. Wisdom is going to help you answer those questions because after all, it may not necessarily be sinful. It just may be foolish. It may be unwise or the opposite. Maybe it's a super wise decision that you should totally make and post whatever it is you were going to post to begin with. Wisdom is spiritual depth perception. If you've taken any notice, we preach out of the ESV Bible. If you use an ESV Bible, if you have had, um, the ESV Bible sometimes comes with study Bibles. And in the ESV study Bible, uh, it defines wisdom as this, skill in the art of godly living. So that's another definition, skill in the art of godly living. 
Consider artists or musicians or woodworkers when it comes to their skill and their craft, the kind of intentionality that goes into that, the kind of time that has been spent and invested in their craft. About two years ago, Eric and I went to go see Thrice and Me Without You. Some of you don't know who they are. That's okay. When we went to go see Thrice, the, the, the main band member, Dustin Kensery, we were blown away by their musicianship. I mean, it, was, it wasn't just a good concert. You were just kind of blown away by the professionalism of them as musicians and what looked to be so effortless in their playing of their instruments. Like, it was phenomenal. Probably one of the best concerts I'd been to. That is skill in their musicianship. Well, the same thing applies when it comes to wisdom. It is skill in godly living. So let's look at Proverbs 1, and let's consider a couple of the verses. And we're going to look at these from kind of a 50,000-foot view because we're going to be jumping around Scripture throughout our time today. So let's consider verses 1 through 2 just to set up our time. Beginning in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. What's so beautiful about this, what's so great about this opening verse is that it tells us who the author is. But the author primarily is going to be King Solomon, who was David's son. If you're unaware of who Solomon is, apart from David's son, you can visit 1 Kings chapter 3, and you see that Solomon is not only king over Israel, but that God approaches Solomon and asks him, ultimately, what is it that you want? In 1 Kings chapter 3, we see that Solomon responds by telling God that he desires wisdom for the purpose of ruling over God's people. This is 1 Kings 3. It is not on the screen. You can just listen along. This is 1 Kings 3, verses 9 through 11. Solomon tells God, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. And God granted Solomon wisdom. Solomon is known as one of the wisest people to have ever walked the earth. In verse 2, he goes he go ahead and tells us what the purpose of Proverbs is. He goes on to write, to know wisdom and instruction. Wisdom in what? Wisdom in godly living. It is applying what God spoke to his people to everyday life. That's what wisdom is. It's applying God's word to daily life. And there is a result of us pursuing. There is a result of us cultivating wisdom. Continuing in the verses, he goes on to say that one of the results of cultivating wisdom is to instruct the simple in understanding and godly living. Verse 2 and 3. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple. If you ever read through Proverbs, there tend to be four categories of people in Proverbs. There tend to be the wise, the simple, the foolish, and the sluggard. 
the wise, the simple, the foolish, and the sluggard. Here in chapter 1, or in this section, when we see that it is to give instruction to the simple, what he's talking about is those who are inexperienced, not only in skill, but those who are young in life, those who are immature. And that's not to disparage anybody. That's not like a jab at anybody. That's just the reality. Perhaps you are young in your faith. Perhaps you are inexperienced in your faith. Perhaps you really just are young. That would consider you the simple. Now, the purpose of being, quote, the simple is that you should not stay that way. The key word is should not. You should not stay as the simple. But it's for them to receive understanding. Additionally, in verse 4, cultivating wisdom helps us uh, to, to, to become prudent, you know what prudence is? It is caution. One who is careful and cautious in decision-making. One who not rushes, one who doesn't rush to making uh, hasteful decisions. You know the difference between urgent and urgently and, 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 and hastefulness, right? Urgent, you might have to make something quick, but there are steps that you go along the way that lead you to that decision. Making decisions hastefully means you just make them emotionally, you just pop out of them. There actually isn't any thought going through your head as you make these decisions. Additionally, those who are prudent aren't only uh, wise in their wise dealings in righteousness or in decision-making, but they are also just wise in knowing when to speak and when not to speak. Think about James 1. Here's what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That is a prudent individual. That is a wise individual. Additionally, in verse 5, or end of verse 4 into 5, he goes on to say, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and saying of the words of the wise and their riddles. In short, Wisdom helps us produce discernment. So here's a really good definition for discernment. This is by Tim Chalice. I don't know if you are familiar with him, but here's what he writes. Discernment is the skill of understanding and applying God's word with purpose of separating truth from error, right from wrong. If we refuse to exercise discernment, and are swayed by every wind of doctrine, we deny God glory that is rightly his and do not learn to enjoy him more. Discernment is wisdom in action. That as you cultivate wisdom, you are able to now apply discernment. That is, you are able to apply God's word to whatever it is you're dealing with, whether it is a decision or a doctrine. At the end of the day, if we cultivate wisdom, then we reflect the testimony of God's work in us to those around us. Wisdom is not just this hidden thing. So in short, wisdom in godly living is a fruitful testimony of God's grace in your life. So let's consider the second question. Why do we need wisdom? There's a couple of reasons. Here's the first one. It is possible to be forgiven 
and still be foolish. I'll let that sink for a little bit. It is possible to be forgiven and still be foolish. In other words, some of you have come to know God through faith in Jesus, and you are indeed forgiven of your sin. Period. You are indeed a new creation in Christ. Praise God for that. And you may still lack maturity. See, a common misconception is that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have understanding and wisdom. It doesn't mean that you have understanding and wisdom in Scripture and in life. It's not always true. Wisdom is cultivated over time. And God wants us to be a people that is marked by wisdom. Wisdom helps us to grow in our maturity by instructing us how to live a godly, happy, fruitful, useful life. And it happens over the course of time. We'll talk more about that later. Second, here's another reason. It is possible to be older and experienced and still foolish. See, the Bible assumes that you have grown in wisdom as you have gotten older. But when we consider the condition of our hearts, when we consider and reflect on our life, we realize that just because one has aged, just because one has gray hairs, does not mean that they are wise. That's not always the case. So just because an individual is older, just because an individual has gray hair, does not mean they are wise. Three, last one. Why do we need wisdom? Because it is possible to have theological knowledge and still be foolish. You see, just because you know a lot of theological truths that you ripped off from the internet doesn't mean that you have theological common sense. Just because you read half of a book, just because you saw some pithy wisdom quote online and someone, you know, quoted whatever, doesn't mean you have theological common sense. And to believe so is naive. It is misleading. And it can be very, very dangerous. And so it still begs the question then, why do we need wisdom then? Well, we need wisdom because wisdom helps us to live a life of fulfillment. That is a blessed life. Consider Proverbs 3. This is beginning in verse 13. Here's what it says. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. That's about wisdom. See, the idea of wisdom is that it helps us to live a life of fulfillment, a blessed life. That's what that word means. It means happy. When you read that word in the opening section of Proverbs 3.13, blessed means happy. It means you are able to lead a life that is happy, useful. It brings glory to God. It is a blessing to others. And you still may be asking, well, why does that matter? Because we were designed exactly for that. That's exactly what we were designed for. We were created to live in line with what we were designed to be by God. See, if we live out of line 
with what we were designed for, then we won't experience joy. We won't experience fulfillment. Wisdom helps us walk in line with what God designed our life to be. That is why we need wisdom. Third question, going through these pretty quickly. How do we get wisdom? This is where we'll spend a good deal of our time. The beauty about Proverbs is it isn't just get wisdom. The beauty about Proverbs is also, excuse me, that it is very practical. And so we get to the question, how do we get wisdom? The first one comes to us from verse 7 in chapter 1. First thing is the fear of the Lord. Let's read verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I talked a little bit about this last week, tried to shorten it, make it pretty simple. And so here's the simple version of what is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord means that you're afraid of God. That's why it's translated that way, right? Really simple. Now, I mentioned this last week. Some of you, including myself, have even heard some of the definitions like, oh, it is a reverence of God. It is awe of God. It is uh, this, this fearful respect. And those are good definitions, right? But we also want to keep it simple right? Because we want to grow up. And so we want to keep it simple. So what is the fear of the Lord? That you're afraid of God, right? In other words, the fear of the Lord is recognizing who God is and realizing that you're not him. It's a proverb. Quote that. Write it down. Um, It's recognizing who God is and realizing that you are not him. You see, the fear of the Lord is recognizing God's power, God's holiness, his majesty. And when we are confronted by that, we are humbled. We are humbled by that. And in humility, we can now live a life of submission, worship, and service to him. In humility, we are now ready to cultivate wisdom. Why? Because in humility, I recognize that my ways are not better than God's ways. In humility, I am now ready to receive instruction. In humility, I am now teachable. That would be a good question for you to reflect on. Are you teachable? Are you able to receive instruction? See, the contrast of this when it comes to talking about the fear of the Lord is that some of you kind of shy away from that, don't want to talk about it. Let's just talk about the practical, but let's not talk about the fear of the Lord, not so much about his holiness or his majesty. That wasn't necessarily something that you might even be familiar with because you were raised to believe that the fear of the Lord was simply lightning and condemnation rather than restoration and wisdom. When it comes to the fear of the Lord, it is recognizing who God is and realizing that we are not him. It is recognizing, yes, his power, but his holiness, his graciousness, his mercy, his majesty. Number two. So the first one is the fear of the Lord. How do we cultivate wisdom? How do we get wisdom? Fear of the Lord. Number two, search the scriptures. 
You see, the words God speaks result in knowledge and understanding. The band opened up with this. This is Proverbs 2. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. See, wisdom is cultivated by attentiveness, by listening to what God has said. Consider verse 5 in Proverbs 1. He goes on to say, let the wise hear. And so how are we going to cultivate wisdom? By searching the scriptures to listen attentively to what God has spoken through his word. Do you lack wisdom? It could be. It could be because you don't know what God has said through his word. It could be because you haven't sat in it long enough to learn what God has said, whether that's alone in your house or in your room, whether that's in the context of community or even within the Sunday gathering. There's a reason we saturate our time on Sunday morning with God's word. We open up with God's word. We are praying God's word. We are singing God's word. We are preaching God's word. We are closing with God's word. We intentionally try to soak the Sunday gathering in God's word. Additionally, when it comes to searching the scriptures, perhaps one of the challenges or one of the reasons in which you do not have wisdom is because you approach the Bible like you would approach a test at school. In other words, you are reading the Bible so that you would pass some test. Right? If we're just honest, how many times have we spent all-nighters just cramming so that we would take the test? I remember being in those situations where you're in school, high school, or in college, and you've just crammed, and you just want the teacher or the professor to give you the papers because otherwise you're going to forget everything that you just crammed in your head for three hours, right? four hours, six hours. When it comes to the Bible, some of you read it that way. Some of you read it as if you're going to pass some test, and because the test hasn't happened. No one has given you the test paper. No one has given you the blue notebook. No one's giving you the Scantron. It doesn't always seem beneficial to you to read God's word. And so what we want, and I get that. I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is that what we want is the opposite of that. We want to cultivate a life of wisdom by soaking our minds in the word of God, not for the purpose of a test, but because it is the path of wisdom. That's why we want to soak ourselves, soak our minds in the word of God. Not for X, not to answer questions, not for Bible trivia, but because it is the path to wisdom. So the first one is the fear of the Lord. The second one is searching the scriptures. The third one, wise counsel. Consider Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Additionally, this is Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The third way in which we get wisdom is through wise counsel. And so consider some of your friendships. Some of them are really good. And you could tell because you are influenced by them. Some of them are a little questionable. And you can tell because you are influenced by them. So consider some of your friendships. 
watch and observe others to gain some wisdom. But more than that, I would also encourage discipleship in the context of church community. We are, if you haven't noticed, a young church. We just are. That's just a reality. We're a young church. I had someone ask me recently, so do you have a youth group? Right? And so we have a student ministry. We have four students, four high schoolers in there. But they're like, no, we want a youth group. You know, like, like junior high. I was like, we don't have a youth group. They're all in second grade. Right? They're still cultivating some wisdom there. Right? Like, it'll be a while. That's okay. No one's in a rush here. Right? But nevertheless, as a young church, we need wisdom. Like us, Storehouse McAllen. I'm not talking about the American church. I'm not talking about anyone else. Us. You and me, we need wisdom to be imparted to us. And we desperately need to seek and cultivate wisdom. And one of the ways in which we do that is in wise counsel, in the context of community with one another, specifically in discipleship with one another. And so, let me just be frank. Older saints, I don't know. One of the ways by which our younger saints, just hear me on this, one of the ways by which our younger saints will grow in wisdom is by you investing in them, discipling them, and encouraging them. Listen to me on this, y'all. They need to know that you love them. If you're an older saint, if no one has come to you no one has wanted to be discipled by you, then that may be because some younger saints are shy. That may be because some younger saints are too arrogant. That may be because your life doesn't reflect wisdom. Perhaps because you are older, you're bitter, you're grumpy, you're angry. And perhaps that is why the younger saints have not gone to you. See, some of you older saints, some of you have not discipled any of the younger saints ever. Remember, Proverbs assumes that you are growing in wisdom. This is Proverbs 16:31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. It's assuming that you have grown in wisdom and are imparting that to others. Likewise, in Titus 2, Paul, through Titus, speaks directly to the men at the church in Crete and the women at the church in Crete and encourages them and exhort them, exhorts them, the older men and women, to pour into the younger men and women. They need to know that you love them. Younger saints, 20s maybe, 30s. One of the ways by which our older saints will continue to flourish is by you seeking them, asking questions, and listening to their story. I'm just going to tell you the secrets. 
if you constantly or only want to talk about deep theological truths, I'm telling you that is necessary and good. But if you're doing that without the purpose of listening to them, hearing their story, hearing all that God has done, you're missing it. Older saints need to know that you value them. And if you don't know any of our older saints, those of you who are younger, if you don't know any of our older saints, then that may be because perhaps you're shy and you need some courage. It may be because you're simply foolish, walking in your own way. That may be because your life is one of arrogance. You younger saints, some of you are too proud to be discipled. Because you don't want to get called out. Paul tells Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. Instead, be an example. Some of you younger saints are not an example. Some of you younger saints aren't an example. Some of you can articulate some really crafty truths. Cool, no one cares, right? If you've never sat with Gary, and if you don't know the story of the specific prayer, I don't want to hear your five points of whatever. If you don't know how Ephraim takes his coffee, I don't care about what book you haven't finished, and you're probably not going to finish. Right? If you haven't sat with Emma or Kathy or my wife Rebecca and listened to their story and see God's providence at work in their story, man, I don't care who you follow on Instagram. And don't tell me you're busy. I'm speaking to you younger saints. Don't tell me how busy you are. They have lived a life of that. The only way in which we're actually going to grow in wisdom when it comes to the context of wise counsel is if we actually pursue one another. Older saints, the younger ones, need to know that you love them. And the truth is, you can grow in some of that theological accuracy because it brings vibrancy back. You see them excited for what God is doing in our church. Some of you younger saints, you need to value older saints because you don't know it all. You just don't. And so seek wise counsel. Surround yourself with wise men and women. And I kind of want to keep harping on this. The reason I want to keep harping on this is because there is this like distinction. Oh, there are the older saints and then there are the younger saints. And if you're feeling convicted, right? That's not me, that's the spirit. Here's what I would do. If you're an older saint, pull a younger one and teach them what repentance looks like. If you're a younger one feeling uh, convicted, pulled an older saint and say, teach me how to repent. See, this is uh, why we are okay with community being messy. Community ought to be messy. There's a reason why we don't have life stages or purposely intend to have life stages in our groups. We throw everyone in together and trust that the Spirit will cultivate relationships and discipleship. So if we're going to get wisdom, we must pursue the fear of the Lord. 
we must search the scriptures, soaking our mind in what God has said. And we must do so through wise counsel. And so as we close, the pursuit of wisdom, the cultivating of wisdom, ultimately, finally, fully leads us to Jesus. Jesus is the way of wisdom. When you consider these seven verses in the opening of Proverbs 1, Jesus embodies righteousness, justice, equity. Jesus embodies prudence. Jesus embodies the increase in learning. Luke 4 records that when he was young, he was at the temple, and he goes on to say that he grew, quote, in wisdom and stature. Jesus embodies wisdom. Solomon may have been one of the wisest people to have walked the earth, but when you go through the New Testament, Jesus goes on to say, I am wiser even than Solomon. You see, the wisest thing I could ever do, the wisest thing you and I could ever do is recognize our own foolishness. And realizing that Jesus is the only one who can make me wise and forgive the folly of my foolishness. See, when we consider the opening of Proverbs and we see what Solomon is talking about, we see that Jesus embodies this. And Jesus offers wisdom to anyone. He imparts wisdom to anyone who comes to him. And so, those of you who follow Jesus, who know Jesus, who are Christians, just because you know Jesus does not make you wise. I told you about the four themes in Proverbs. Just because you know Jesus doesn't make you wise, it doesn't put you in the wise category. Some of you know Jesus and are foolish. When we walked through Galatians a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this doctrine called justification. We spent almost six weeks talking about justification. And justification teaches how an individual is, it becomes right before God, how an individual is accepted and forgiven, how their status from enemy to friend, how that is changed by faith in Christ. But there's this other thing that comes to our salvation. When we begin to live out our salvation, there's this thing called sanctification. And sanctification is where we grow in our understanding of Jesus, where we put our sin to death, where we draw closer to him through the fear of the Lord, the searching of scriptures and community. And for many of us, that's what's absent. See, when we are or when we claim to be Christian and are foolish, it kills our witness in our city, in our community, in our families. Now, just because you're wise doesn't mean you're perfect. Hear me say that. Doesn't mean you're perfect. And to know Jesus doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you are repentant. But when we are foolish willingly, it kills our witness in our city, in our community, to our coworkers, our friends, and our families. We present a false picture of the goodness of God. When we are living a life 
where we are cultivating wisdom, people will see and ask, where do I get that? How did you learn that? Wisdom ultimately leads us to Jesus because it is only Jesus who can make us wise and forgive the folly of our forgiveness. It's not like he's unaware. So let us be a church who is humble before the Lord so that we may cultivate wisdom and live a fulfilling life. That as we consider this series on stewardship, that before being good stewards, we get wisdom. We get understanding. We get insight. So Christian, follower of Jesus, church, where are you being foolish right now? Are you humble enough to be teachable? If cultivating wisdom begins with humility, then let me invite you to confess your pride. Let me invite you to confess your arrogance, your lack of discernment. And as you pursue wisdom, the beauty of the gospel is that God takes you to Jesus by his grace so that you may grow in him, show his goodness, and lead a godly life. Now, if you don't know Jesus, one of the things I mentioned is that I appreciate you being here. It's a big deal that you're here. And it's not that you don't have wisdom. But if the wisdom, if the wisdom you have, if the wisdom you have cultivated is simply for your benefit and it doesn't produce humility, then you will not recognize your own foolishness because by that logic, the wisest person, you are the wisest person you know because you dictate what the standard of wisdom is. And by definition, that is foolish. So in reality, you're not wise. You're just arrogant. But the beauty of Jesus is that he invites you to know him. And as you pursue this wisdom in that journey, God takes you right to Jesus, the one who entered into our world, lived in our stead, took responsibility for our mess, died in our place and for our sin so that we might not only be reconciled to God, but so that we would walk in wisdom by his grace. So church, cultivating wisdom begins with a humble heart in order to rightly apply God's word in our everyday life. Let's pray. God, we began our time by asking for wisdom. And as we close our time, we continue to ask you for wisdom. A wisdom that brings us to Jesus. A wisdom that reflects your goodness in our lives toward others. 
a wisdom that provides us with the ability to use discernment and sound judgment. God, would you please forgive our folly? Would you forgive us when we willingly pursue our foolishness? Would you forgive us for forgetting your work in us? Rather, Lord, would you empower us to live according to your word through your spirit for your glory. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you this morning. Amen.